Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, it's Arnold here. Thank you for listening to Ammo. And Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Road. All right, Danny, so it's another week in isolation for ourselves. Um, we've got another exciting podcast coming up. Um, we've got a very special guest on, Alex Dibble, who's a um, newsreader on Talk Sport, and he has worked for the BBC in the past. Um, and we're going to discuss our top five centre-backs um, in the Premier League at the moment. So that'll be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to <laughs> Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, so that'll be interesting. But first of all, how's um, how's this week been in isolation? Been all right, man. It hasn't been too bad. I, I can't really complain. Um, yeah, it's Easter week, so kids have been sort of off homeschool. Um, so been sort of enjoying time with them. Got the paddling pool out, sun's been shining. Like, I love this time of year. Love Easter weekend. Like, you know, it starts getting warm nights are getting lighter and you can just enjoy just a bit of time with the family and stuffing as many eggs as I can into my face so it was it was great loved it <laughs> what about you brilliant brilliant ah same really Danny um, I say the sun comes it just automatically puts in a good mood doesn't it so the good thing is you know the sun comes and you're happy and you start we had a barbecue outside one day oh nice um, I was I was the master chef <laughs> <laughs> um, we obviously had Easter lots of eggs big Easter dinner um, just the usual stuff. Um, I've actually started to do a little bit of exercise, believe it or not. Um, oh, happy days. I'm trying to, trying to do that every day, eat a little bit healthy because I thought, well, if you can't change your habits now, you'll never be able to change them when this is all you can focus on. Um, also, the BT Marathon, the BT Sport Marathon of all the Liverpool great comebacks. Did, did you watch it yourself? Or? I did, yeah. I've seen a bit of it. I didn't get watching all of it. Um, but I got seen quite a few of them, like, so it was nice to relive the memories of it. Champions League final and different ones like that. It was a. Uh, yeah, it was great. Isn't it crazy the way, you know, any one of us has the ability to go on YouTube every one of these matches whenever we want, any time, any minute, any day, any time of the day or night. But as soon as, soon as BT show it, 
at a certain time, everyone jumps in the bandwagon and watches it. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> but, but it was great. You know, you just stay at quick uh, corner, taking quickly a ringy. Oh. Oh, just, just, just stop it. You know, <laughs> even even the commentary from you know Istanbul. Xavi Alonso takes a Dina saves and Alonso follows it in. Oh, it just—it's nice. Danny, it's memories. nice watching it back. I think because you know what the outcome is. I think at the time I remember watching Istanbul in two thousand five, and it was just—it was such a horrible experience, especially half time. And you just thought, "What is becoming of this team?" Like we're going to end up getting tanked here, seven, eight, nine, nil. Um, so it was nice to watch it back and just sort of be happy and enjoy it, knowing knowing that we were going to come back and smash them. So, most important question though, so the first match of the show was Dortmund match, Liverpool versus Dortmund, when we need to score three goals in 25 minutes. <laughs> and you, and your your best friend, Dejan Lovren, scored a, a goal in the 90th minute. And where was you that moment? Was you, Did you celebrate and was you happy that Dejan Lovren scored? Oh yeah, like, you've got to give credit where it's due, haven't you? Like, like as much as Lovren is an absolute donkey, <laughs> he's, he's, he saved. He saved us in that game, and he was very, very good. And he stepped up, scored a header. And, it, and like, I will always admit, I'll always be honest, and I'll always say, like, Lovren is great in the air. He's always been a very good aerial defender, um, and he proved it. And he scored. He scored quite a few goals. Obviously, not just Dortmund, um, smashing them in with his head from a corner. Um, so you've got to give him credit. And I think he'll always go down. As much as I personally don't really like his game. I think he'll always go down as a bit of a legend in Liverpool for that moment. And I think there's loads of players like that. You look at Vladimir Schmeisser in the Champions League final 2005. You get these different boys who had a moment in a game that sort of cemented them as a great player in Liverpool. And I think Lovren will will always be remembered for that. (laughs) Now here's where it gets interesting. But does he feature in your top five defenders that currently play <laughs> in the Premier League? We'll see. But just to let our listeners know, so here's how we, we do it, guys. Um, I'm sure people have listened to the Match Today podcast where they're doing the top ten of all time. How we're doing it, we're doing the top five and we're doing current Premier League players. We're not taking into consideration form at the moment, whether they're injured um, or, any, or like anything like that. We're just taking the top five central defenders that are in the league at the moment. So one that popped into my head, he doesn't make my top five, but for an example, is Phil Jagielka. There's no chance at the moment he makes your top five because he's, you know, he's, he's playing at Sheffield United as, as, a, as a, like a, a reserve player. But over the years, in my opinion, he's been one of the greatest centre-backs in the Premier League. So he still plays, he's still in the league, he can be considered. So that's how we're going to base it. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to Danny for his top five. And I'm going to make it harder this week, Danny. I actually want you to go from five up to one. Okay, that's interesting. Um, now, it was hard because there's so many good players, so many good centre-backs. I'm going to beat the suspense right from the out. Dejan Lovren doesn't make my top five <laughs> in Liverpool centre-backs. <laughs> Never mind, Premier League centre-backs. <laughs> so, uh, we'll just get that out of the way, right from the right, beginning. Okay. <laughs> at, num- at number five, as I said, there were so many to potentially choose from that have been really good this season, last few seasons. Um they might have dropped off a little bit and there's a few mentions that I can give a little bit later on number five I have put Connor Cody right and that's who I've gone for as my number five like Connor Cody like he's been absolutely solid at Wolves I remember watching him I've said in previous podcasts I remember watching him captain Liverpool youth team in the FA Cup games when I went to Anfield and different things like this and he's always been a great player but 
he dropped down a couple of divisions. He grafted. He worked hard. He's come back with Wolves, and he he leads that team. On and the he's pitch a baller. From he's a baller. Have you not seen the the, the ATR balls that he does to, nu- to Nunes and players like that? He, he's an absolute baller as well. He's very and he's a captain. And this is the thing: is that like De Bruyne hits balls like that all the time, and like Conor Cody just doesn't get the mentions. That De Bruyne Why is he not in England? I mean, I'll be honest. I'll give a, a wee sneak peek. He gets into my top five. Um, why is he not in the England squad? Like, what? Why? Why not? I know this is the thing: is that like you've got to wonder: would he have made it in the Euros this year if if we'd uh, if we'd have been obviously putting a team out and it wouldn't have been cancelled? Yeah. Like for me, he makes it in. English centre backs, I think he's he's quality. He's, he's head and shoulders above the likes of John Stones exactly. for me. So I don't know why he shouldn't be starting. I know, you know, the likes of Phil Jones and Chris Small getting the England squad. Like well, seriously, you know. <laughs> but I yeah, know. I know it's ridiculous, especially the yeah, top top five anyway. Yeah, so that's the plan. So I've got Conor Cody in at number five because he's he's helped that Wolves team. He's got them to where they are. He's keeping them there in the Premier League and instilling in those foreign players as they come in what the Premier League's all about. And you can see that when he plays. And he's a scouser. He is exactly yeah. So you can support him. <laughs> exactly. like, it just it just so helps that he's a he's a great centre yeah, back. That's as well. true. Um, number four, I have gone for Rudiger yes. at Chelsea. Antonio solid, Rudiger, solid player. I have put in at number four. Really great, and especially because there's Chelsea have such a change in dynamic in their team at the minute. They've got a lot of young boys coming in. There was the potential for Chelsea to really drop down uh, this season and end up sort of mid table and struggling but a little bit. Like see, with any Danny, team when, that's well, being when he's out the team, Chelsea do seem to struggle as well, don't they? You know, yeah. I think that's a sign of a great centre back. Is that if you if your team starts to struggle when you're not there, it shows how important you are and pivotal to that team. Um, and for me, that's what. Antonio Rudiger is to Chelsea. They are not the same team when he's not sitting controlling that back yep. line. Fair so, enough. so he makes it. He makes it into for me at number Fair four. Uh, number th- number three, uh, I put in uh, Siunchu from Leicester. Yes, is he the we the tall boy with the long hair? Yes. Yep. Yes. That's the one. Like I think I think he deserves to be up there. Look at the way that Leicester have uh, performed this season in the league. I think ever after Leicester sold Harry Maguire in the summer, I think nobody gave Leicester a chance. I thought they they thought like there was loads and loads of shouts in in Sky Sports and different things like that that Leicester were potentially going to be relegation potentials this season yep. and different things like this because they didn't they'd sold the players like they got rid of Kante and Mares and then they were getting rid of Harry Maguire like they, everyone wrote Leicester off and Suyuncu has come in and for me performed just as good if not better than Harry Maguire has played in that in, when he was in the Leicester shirt. Agree more, hundred percent, yeah. Great player. So just for just for positional, like where Leicester are in the league at the minute, for how well they're playing and how solid they are at the back, uh, I went for Sionchu at number three, um, and then for me, I, I think one and two picks themselves. So I know he's injured at the minute, but for number two for me has got to be Laporte. And I've put him in at yeah. number two because he's he's quality, and they've shown that the City haven't been the same team this season while Laporte's been yeah. out. Um, they've tried to put Fernandinho in there and they've tried to mix it up and put different players at the back but Laporte solidifies Danny, Fernandinho is a, gr- a, gr- a great centre-back I think he's been brilliant for Liverpool this season don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you there. think so I, mean, he's been, I think he's been a fantastic centre-back <laughs> so you're that good as a centre-back going to centre-back I know but Liverpool what 20, 25 points ahead <laughs> I know he's a. It, it hasn't helped them because I think if Fernandinho was playing in centre midfield and they had the port at centre back, I think it'd be a far, far closer title race this season. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Good, good but show. It's, it's kind of done us a favour, but I, I think the port on his day 
Like when he's playing, when he's fit, he's he's absolutely quality, and you can't look past him. And then obviously, well, number one, one, I mean, like, is Virgil yeah, Van Dijk. Like, what what can't you say about that man? I know. Is it even worth mentioning? Like, we knew it was going to be Virgil Van Dijk. He's quality. Um, like he's unstoppable, and for me, he's just an absolute brick wall. And he's transformed Liverpool over the last couple of seasons. Um, we've been a completely different team since he's joined in, and like, there's nothing more you can say about him. There's, I think, I think nobody will be surprised that he's number one. No, I mean, I'm not going to give mine away too soon, but like, you know, let's let's be honest, he's up there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Now I think it's interesting because there's a few of the boys, as I said, like I don't want to just sort of say, oh, it was a really easy pick. There's a few of the boys that I think deserved a shout okay. in that lineup. Like obviously, obviously, I've I've gone on all season about how good I think Joe Gomez is, and I think Joe Gomez deserves a yeah. shout for being in that back line. By the fact, even by the fact that Connor Cody isn't getting a mention for this England team. Because Gomez away, is in, yeah. saying that Joe Gomez should, yeah, he should be an automatic yeah. starter at centre back. So it shows how good Gomez has been this season. Uh, I think Tyrone Mings deserves a shout as well as well yes. at Villa. I know that they're not playing great, but Tyrone Mings has been solid. And again, he's he's making it into England reserves and getting called up and different things like this. So I think it proves well. His Mings actually played a lot in the last England season. game that he was there. Uh... If I, if I remember correctly, he was racially abused, wasn't he? And he handled that really well. He yeah. handled up. So he, he, uh, acting Mings is actually playing for England, which is again, yeah, he deserves a shout for sure. So yeah, but that's that's my top five. That's who I've had to eventually settle on for for who I'm going with. What about what about you? What's Fair enough, I have to give shout out to you, like to you know uh, Mings again. They nearly got into it. Um, Rudica again. He very very nearly got into it. Um, but I'm going for a little bit of, in my five, I've gone for a little bit of longevity. They're still playing, they're still kind of at the peak of the powers. Number five for me is Tolby Oliveiro at Spurs. Okay, it's a good he's choice. He's just a neat footballer, Danny. Um, I have to be honest, here's how I compare Tolby Oliveiro. Someone like yourself, he gets the ball, he, he does it simple. He doesn't give the ball away. Um, and he just seems to make the right decisions. Every time I watch him, I think, oh, he'd be a good player at Liverpool. Um his positional sense is just great. Um, he's not a player that needs to make these last-ditch tackles um, because he's always seems to be in the right position. You know, I think that, I think that's a key to it. Any centre back I've watched or played for, um, they don't need to do last-ditch tackles because they're always in the right position. The likes of John Terry's the past and Jamie Carragher's and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, for me, at five, Toby Alderweireld because he's just. I think he's just a neat footballer. He keeps it simple. He doesn't mess about. He doesn't try and you know be a glory hunter or anything like that. Um, and he get he's got a goal in him as well. I think it's important to centre back to have a goal yeah. in him, which is <clears throat> you can say for the likes of you know Van Dijk as well, obviously. So yeah, Toby Alderweireld is my number five. Number four, reluctantly, but I have to look at it as a whole, not just at the last this season or last season as a whole. And it kills me to say it because he's he's a United player. But number four, four for me is Harry Maguire. I mean, on his day, he's as good as anyone. Apart from maybe Van Dijk, he's, he, for me, on his day, he's as good as anyone. If he was having a good season, he'd probably be higher up on that list. But for me, um, he's just yeah, he, he's he's what an English centre back should be. He gets stuck in. Um, he's got that. He's got a bit of an edge, hasn't he? He's a bit. Feels like if you played against him, he'd be nasty. Does that make sense? He feels yeah. like. As a striker that's played against many centre backs who are nasty, I feel like he just he'd be someone that you want playing for your team. Do you know you know what I'm saying here, don't you, Danny? Oh yeah, yeah, he's got it in him. And I think that is, as you said, classic English centre back sort of you know, he's playing well and a lot of English centre backs now are ball playing centre backs, they're coming out, they're passing it around well. But he's also got that ability to be able to boot yeah. someone if it's he's, an he's like a shit John Terry. That's 
and to 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 to, to, to be called the shit John Terry is a compliment because like you know it's John Terry he's probably the greatest defender in, the, in Premier League history so yeah do, do you yeah. know what I mean <clears throat> so that's why I would have Harry Maguire um, number three I'd like to think I'm not a little bit biased because he's a scouser but yeah number three for me is Conor Cody um, he just epitomises everything you want in a centre back as I say we mentioned him as your number five for me He's a little bit higher up because I think he's unappreciated. Um, I think he, again, like all the old and Van Dyke and stuff, he's in the, always in the right position. He makes things look easy when they're not so easy. Um, the balls that he plays, he could almost play centre midfield. I think at one stage he did play centre midfield for Liverpool. You know, you've seen him. Um, and he's just a leader. He's a captain, he's a leader. And for me personally, I would love to see him at Liverpool next to Van Dyke. I think we should go all out and get Conor Cody because for me, He's got everything. He's, he's a complete player. He wasn't a complete player when he left Liverpool, but he, he, he spent four or five years away at a really decent footballing team in Wolves. Um, he's got European experience now in the Europa League, um, and he's at the peak of his career, 26, 27. I think bring him back to Liverpool. Fantastic player. Um, and he, ugh, for me, he would be starting for England, you know, alongside Harry Maguire, to be fair. No, I agree, I agree with you. So, yeah, that's after me, number three. Number two, and this is going to be controversial, but I have to look. When I watch when I watch footballs and when I, when I watch this player, now it's not been a hundred times. It might have only been twenty or thirty. But every time I've seen this player, you're going to be very shocked. Um, but every time I've seen this player play, he doesn't put a foot wrong. Um, again, he's next Man United player. Um, he's played at West Brom um, and he's currently playing at Leicester. And it's not um, your man that you picked, the actual. It's Johnny Evans. I think he's just he just looks so again cool, calm, and collected, and he's got a goal in him. And I know he's just, and I can see your face. And um, we're doing this podcast, guys, via <laughs> via Zoom, so we we actually see each other. Um, and I can see Danny's face just kind of dropped over for me. You know, he's a Premier League winner. He's got everything he needs into him. He's, he's dropped down a level at West Brom and come back up. Um, he just for me, he's just an all round complete player. And as long as you have to in the Premier League, how many players have you seen play for you know Real Madrid? Not Real Madrid for like Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and have made a step down to a club. Because um, they can't quite make it in the team regularly or injury problems. I think Johnny Johnny Evans problems injuries, and they just go missing. Next thing you know, you, you're watching an FA Cup match and like a League Two club are playing us, and then they're, they're in a League Two club because they just drop down and drop down. Uh, but Johnny Evans, as I say, dropped down to West Brom and he's come back with Leicester and he's just, I think, longevity alone. Um, and I think he's a Northern Irish captain as well. Um, great player for for me. He's my number two. I know it's a little bit controversial, but I just think he's done a bit more than the likes of Maguire's, Cody's, and Alderweireld to get because he's won the league numerous occasions. You know, yeah. Um, and number one, it's an interesting one to be. Do you think so? Well, I mean, could you make an argument against him, or do you, I mean, what's your opinion on it? I think it's a, as I said, it's interesting because I think he's he's probably in that same sort of bracket as your your James Milner, your Gareth Barry. Yeah. As you said, he's just a grafter. He, for years and years, he's just worked away at a high level and just kept performing and kept performing and kept performing. And he's a, the problem is is like Milner and like all these other boys, he's playing alongside boys that are like complete quality and they know how good he is and they know how much he makes the team what it is. But but they don't shine. They don't they don't shine through. And we've seen so many of them come through. And overall, the thing for Johnny Evans, he's not he's not on his peak. But as I say, we do our top five based on who currently play in the Premier League. So that's why I have to give a shout out to Phil, Phil Jagielka. He nearly got me top five. Now, obviously, Phil Jagielka is not in the top five defenders in the Premier League right this second. And you could almost argue that Johnny Evans is not number two in the Premier League 
right the second but he plays in the Premier League and what he's done for yeah. longevity I think that's why Carnegie gets yeah. in there and that's why the likes of um, you know there's other boys that could have potentially got in there but, but they didn't you know but yeah number one yeah, I mean Van Dijk I mean the best way I can describe Virgil Van Dijk is I heard a commentator once say when he's playing it's like he's playing in a kids football match and he's just He's far better than everyone else, and, he, and that's just like so true. Watching Van Dijk, could you think of a better way to describe him? Like, like I love him. He's such a great player, and I know I just said about him before, but it's just as you said, he reads the game so well. He doesn't have to make big runs and make big last-inch tackles that you remember, sort of great Premier League defenders like like the likes of John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, boys like that. You you sort of remember them for these last-second tackles to be able to just get the ball as someone's about to shoot. Van Dijk's a totally he's a totally different calibre of player. He doesn't have to make those big tackles because he's always two or three steps ahead of every game he's playing. Well, that's so he's just, he's amazing That's to watch. That's the perfect you no know, thing thing that I think about centre backs is because he's he never makes elastic tackles because you never need to see him do elastic tackles because he's always in the right place. Plus, he almost gives the defenders or and sorry gives the, the attackers a run on, doesn't he? Because he, he just knows he's got the pace. He's got the yeah. pace to make up. Plus, I think a very important thing about centre back as well. He's got a goal in him. You know, he, sc- he scores big goals and yeah. important goals and all the famous centre backs over the years. You know, you your John Terry's, your Ferdinands and stuff like that. They've always seemed to have a goal in them, which is. I think a Premier League level is important. Um, I think no one in the world, you know, your hardest, hardest diehard Man United fans would disagree that Van Dijk is the best player on the planet for his, his position at the moment. So he has to be number one. And I think he's still got probably three, four, three, four years at the very top as well. Did you see his Q&A done on his, um, on no, his Twitter page it, and Instagram it, no, page? No, I didn't. It's on the to-do list right enough. For me, it, it cemented it about, about how much of a legend that he is that he offered this Q&A for people to be able to ask him anything that they wanted to. And Jamie Carragher wrote into him and said, which Liverpool legend do you um, seen that sort of put your too, game onto? And you wrote back to him and said, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, that is quality. Like, but he's got a lot of similarities to Sammy Hippier, as you said. He sort of, Sammy Hippier was a, was a five to ten goal a season player when he was at Liverpool. He, he he always came up from the back. He was scoring goals and he defended really well. And he sort of he was always the man who was furthest back because he knew he had the pace to be able to get onto it. And he doesn't have the pace of Van Dijk, obviously, but it's it's very similar gameplay in that way. So it's it's just amazing as a Liverpool fan to be able to have that assurance now that we well, know just, that we've got a solid back. We'll just line. bring Sam Hippie back into it. And as I say, they are very similar. Only Van Dijk, you know, you know, Van Dyke's far better than Hippie, but they are similar in like the build and the play. The thing I, I was gonna I love about Hippie, um, because I cried on his last day when he come on and you know we got the captain's armband, and he come on and he nearly scored. No, um, I was gonna ask you, Danny, as a side note, who's your favourite ever, you know, Premier League centre back? And mine was gonna be Hippie. I'm just gonna make the point before I ask you why I love him so much. The thing I love about Hippie so much is when he when he was, he was captain at the pool, and when Gerard got made captain, you know, he could have quite easily, you know took a hissy fit and he could have quite easily left the club and made it still made a decent career but he didn't. He got behind Gerard, he still captained the odd game here and there. And for his you know, for his endeavour and for being such having that in your I can't I can't think of the words right now. Um to actually give up the captaincy and give it to Gerard and just back him hundred percent. You know to be that type of person, he's got a Champions League winners medal and an FA Cup winners medal out of it, you know. And he, you know, he played, he played into his mid thirties at the pool, which is, you know, is no mean feat. So yeah, for me, on a side note, my favourite all-time centre back in the Premier League is Sammy Hippie. Who's a who would yours be? 
Oh, it's it's hard to pick. As you said, I, I love the likes of Sammy Hippier and Jamie Carragher, but that's that's more of a heart thing. It's because I support Liverpool, I watch them play, like so you have that love for them. I think if I've got to go for for pure quality for who I think was a great centre back, as you said, we've already mentioned John Terry and Rio Ferdinand, who for us are like modern day like amazing centre backs who will be up there as legends. But for me, if I had to choose just one and there's so many I could potentially choose. If I had to choose just one, I would be going with Sol Campbell. Right. Sol Campbell was everything you would want in a centre back. He was big, he was strong, not and beat him in the air. He was fast. He brought goals. He played football properly. When Arsenal, when they brought in Arsene Wenger and started playing a completely different style of football, Sol Campbell adapted. He played well. He he they built that team. Like because of what he was doing at the back, he was a ball-playing modern defender who, for me, was ahead of his ahead of his game. He, he's someone who, if he was still playing now, he would fit into the Premier League. No bother, but but he was he was class. He was miles ahead of everyone else when he was playing in the Premier. And he's uh, he's got some balls leaving um, space to go to Arsenal as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't care. He was he was he was just an absolute winner, and that's all he cared about was just winning and nothing else. And you've got to respect that to a certain degree. Well, that's interesting. So your top five from five from five to one is. So I've got Conor Cody at five, Antonio Rudiger at four, Sion Chiu at three, Laporte at two, and Virgil Van Dijk at one. Very good. And my top five from five to one is Olivier Old, Harry Maguire, Conor Cody. Johnny Evans and obviously Virgil van Dijk. Well, that was interesting. Um, next week we will be discussing fullbacks. But right now, guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we've got our special guest on, who is Alex Dibble, who's a, um, a news presenter on Talksport. Right, well, folks, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's. Uh, right folks so as promised earlier we do have our special guest alex dibble with us hello alex hello guys you got you the thing with zoom i've suddenly realized is that you struggle to sync irish anfield road <laughs> it's all done in the edit well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the edit. don't, oh, don't so give people, the magic away alex people will be like what it was perfect what are you talking about <laughs> that's it um, well well folks you can tell that alex works within radio and he knows he knows that the tricks of the trade very well <laughs> so basically alex um, we've, we've got you on we know you're a keen listener um to let people know the background me and alex used to play football together in liverpool um how many years ago was that alex was it probably could probably go back about 10 years ago now was it well i was trying to work this out because the it was basically until you Went to Ireland, so how long ago is that? Right, actually, you would be right, probably seven, eight years ago, maybe, something like that. There you go, yeah, so maybe there for 18 go. months or two years before you went, and um, Danny Ammo came up to me and he said, Alex, I've got something to tell you, this is going to be my last game for Christchurch, and I was like, what? <laughs> Who are you signing for? <laughs> Who, who's poaching you? And uh, he was like, no, I'm, I'm moving to Ireland. And I was like, what are you doing that for? You love Liverpool. And um, and, he, and then he explained the reason. I, uh, explained the reason. I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, um, I, I, believe it or not, we're going into too much. Um, me and my partner at the time just made up a pros and colonists because she was Irish. To, she, she was pregnant. So we come back to Ireland. But I do remember we played it on like a Wednesday or Thursday evening. Um, and you just made me captain that day, <laughs> and I was we're playing against a load of mates, and I and I was like, no. But you know what? Um, I, I had a, 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 
we all played in the Merseyside Christian League, didn't we, Danny? Yep. Um, and Christchurch, Christchurch was, you know, the good thing about the Merseyside Christian League was it was good fair football. Um, and I think anyone listening to this from Liverpool or from you know amateur football in England or even over in Ireland might know that there's some leagues that can be quite, um, should we say, ferocious and quite. Um, let's just say there was a good temper, a good temperament, a good atmosphere playing in the Christian League in Liverpool, wasn't it? And do you know what? I was um, when when you when we sort of arranged to to have this chat on on the pod. I um, and Dan, Danny added me on Facebook, and I and I and I saw him for the first time. I was like, oh my goodness! I swear I've played with that guy. And um, and then the more I was like, I, I could have sworn we were teammates, but we this is weird. And then it turned out that it was Danny's brother Dale that I played with. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes, there you go. And you look Small world. you look so similar that I was like, I played with that guy. <laughs> and it was only when I saw a picture of you and Dale that I was like, oh suddenly all came. It must have place. been a recent picture because he's fat as anything now, like so it's uh <laughs> not like me. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a small world, and we, I think at some stage, Alex, you probably would have played against Danny. Um, I think the team me and Danny used to play for Frontline Academy. Um, we played them a couple of times anyway when I played for Christchurch, so you would have all mm. you would have all met each other. Mm. It's all cross paths at some stage, I'm sure. We'll have cross paths in a few different ways, which is interesting. Like, But all I've got from this conversation up to now is that Ammo dogged off football and a city and everything for a woman so that's all I've got from this. <laughs> anyway let's move on let's move on Danny that, 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 that's weeks and weeks of Danny trying to, trying to get, get me back because he's been out off a few times in this podcast but we'll move on so Alex basically buddy so we got you on um, not for just any old reason um, we want to know your story so how did you go from playing Merseyside Christian League to a newsreader on, a, on, a, on one of the biggest national radio stations in the UK. Tell us your story, Alex. Um, so I, I moved, um, I listened to your last pod, and I heard you say something along the lines of, Alex is from like our neck of the woods or something like that. And so people will be like, he, he doesn't sound like he's from Fazakali. <laughs> so my, my, my story is that um, I'm from London, um, grew up just around the corner from Highbury, um, but my dad was from Merseyside, so I I I chose Liverpool when I was young, um, and then when I first got into radio when I was like twenty two or something like that, um, I speculatively at best applied for a job at Radio City up the tower, right, um, in Liverpool, and um, and somehow got it. I'm not quite sure how, um, but it was a short term contract, so I basically moved up to Liverpool just like on a on a whim really um and uh and loved it um and was like I was a news and sports journalist there so I was going to like Liverpool and Everton press conferences and speaking to the managers and stuff like that and I was absolutely loving it um because I'm a Liverpool fan as well and then I just you know settled in Liverpool and started playing football um made friends there um and really loved it ended up um long story short ended up at BBC Radio Merseyside after Radio City um, and then basically, I started going going out with a girl from London. Or actually, she was from the northwest of England, but she was living in London at the time. And uh, it was getting serious. And um, this was when I was still manager of Christchurch, and it was pretty awkward because what basically um, Saturday was the only day of the week that we both had off work. Um, right. And she was in London, and I was in Liverpool. Right. And I had to manage 
a Saturday football team in Liverpool. <laughs> so I was like, this is getting, at some point, I'm going to have to sacrifice this. Priorities. And just as it was getting real, yeah, just as it was getting, the heat was on, Ammo comes up to me and says, I'm leaving. And I was like, oh no! <laughs> um, uh, and um, it all came to a head. Um, and basically, uh, long story short, we, we got engaged and um, she was either going to have to move to Liverpool or I was going to have to move to London. So as much as I loved Liverpool and it really, I loved it and I would be happy happily still living there um were it not for any other reason so ammo and my stories are actually pretty similar <laughs> i'm um, i'm living elsewhere um for the sake of a for the sake of a woman fair enough <laughs> well let, let, uh, you made a very good point there and alex as i say it's good to hear that but what a very good point that you made there is you managed to uh, you know a football team danny you have in, in the past um i have briefly in the past as well the people that manage and organise, you know, amateur football teams, the work that goes on behind the scenes, only people that have done it listening now will know how hard that is. Tell me, Alex, tell me, and even Danny, if you want to step in as well, buddy, tell me how much it takes just to keep a football club and your know, amateur standard going. Oh, it is so, it takes so much, not it's like when you've got a load of players who are keen and committed and you've got enough of them, then it's fine. But the issue we had was that we were struggling to get 11 out um, every week and I was like desperately trying to get more players involved and like Friday night would come around and I only had like eight on the team sheet and I was like, what is the game's kicking off at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning? And that's where Ammo came in because he'd be asking strangers at nightclubs on a Friday night <laughs> if they wanted to play. <laughs> I, I, never, I never drunk on a Friday night before a game. Alex, no chance. No, never, never. I, 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 I never said you were drinking. I just said you were out and you were just asking strangers. So sometimes Ammo would turn up with like three people I'd never even seen before and I'm like, great, they're going to have to play. Um, and, uh, and 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 that's kind of what it was like for a while, every single week. Um, and it and it is hard the stress of it because you just think I don't want to turn up with nine or ten players, um, but at the same time, I can't just fold the team because you know those nine or ten love it and I love it, and um, it is it is a lot of hard work. It really is, um, but it's great when you have players who are committed and love it too and it's and it's a good laugh do I remember us having a bit of a cup run one year as well didn't we we, we knocked a couple of the teams above us who were in leagues above us out and stuff one year am I remembering right there yeah we got to a cup semi-final um, and um, and then actually funnily enough after you went to Ireland I think basically it got to a stage where I couldn't keep the team going and I had to fold it oh no way um, but by but this is the where the story gets good because um, a friend of mine um, by and I didn't know this was sort of managing a team that w- existed only for the cup competitions because the cup teams were an odd number and the cup needed another team to make it an even number. So um, there was this team that was just a cup team, and he happened to hear on the grapevine that that I was um, I was in a position where I had to fold our team, and he basically came to me, came around to my flat and said, look, why don't we just merge the teams and we'll take your place in the league? Wow. Um, and I was like, this is fantastic. Um, so all the players that, that I had on my books got to keep playing um, and, and he was going to be the manager and that took the heat off me and I could take a step back. So it worked out perfectly. And funnily enough, the first ever game, the first ever game of this newly formed team was a cup game against the team that had won the national version of this cup the season before. Wow. And we turned up and there were about 15 of us, and half of us hadn't met the other <laughs> half. 
and um, we were on the we were on the touchline. <laughs> we're gonna get destroyed. Um, and basically, I was playing centre back, so I ran ragged for the entire game. And somehow it was uh, only one nil. Eighty nine minutes. The ball's like bouncing around forty yards out. One of our midfielders takes a horrendous volley shot. It was like it hit, it hit, I swear it hit the sun before it came down. <laughs> and um, and. And somehow the keeper just made an absolute mess of it. He ran out, it bounced over his head and went in. And it was pandemonium. It went to extra time. Um, nil-nil to penalties. And we won on pens. Wow. That is... <laughs> and it was literally, it was boys' own, like, running from the halfway <laughs> line, diving on the keeper. It was everything you could possibly imagine. It was so good. Wow. Um, but that was basically one of my last ever games. Wow, that's that's it's really good to know. That's the um, reason why you play, isn't it? That, that's a great story. That's out. the reason why you do amateur league football. like oh, Because, like, as you said... I remember speaking. I've got sort of good family friends with the fella who's the chaplain of Liverpool, and he said. I remember talking to him when I was managing my team over in Liverpool, and he said that like it is far harder being able to manage amateur league than what it is to manage professional. Because when you're managing professional football, you've got the commitment to the boys because they're getting paid. They've got the chance to progress. They've got the chance to make a real career and a life out of this. Amateur league football, you've got as you said most of the time one guy like yourself. Managing a team, trying to pay for kits, trying to pay pitch fees, trying to pay refs, trying to get boys to play. you got boys dropping out on the morning of games and you're thinking, what am I going to do? You're sitting there on a, a Monday night or a Wednesday night, whenever the training is, looking up YouTube videos of what training sessions you can put together because you don't have professional trainers to help you. So you're <laughs> looking through like to do a million things as one person. And then you've got these boys coming over to you on a Saturday and like, Oh, how come I only got seventy minutes this week? And it's like I manage, I manage a team. I don't even play because I'm putting you boys on the pitch. Yeah. Shut your face! Get out of the team if you don't like it. It's a very, it's a very thankless job. Like, but do, do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what those guys and Danny and Alex especially come? The enthusiasm that we all have for amateur football. We're all forget. We all love Liverpool. We know that. You know this podcast was formed um, because me and Danny's love for Liverpool. Which you know people listening a lot of. Uh, people listening are massive Liverpool fans, but our passion for football comes through. And the moments like these, what we're going through at the moment, um, we miss it, don't we? Just, I mean, how much do you miss football, the moment, boys? Like, I know I'm missing it. Like, I, I every day I'm sad thinking about it. You know, I know. Same here. Like, it's 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 hard. Yeah, like, it's hard yeah. to be able to to put into words how much you miss it. Like, at the minute, I'm not playing eleven aside football. I've got I've got two kids. I've got another one on the way. Um, me and my wife work different shifts and, and so I'm minding the kids every other Saturday anyway um, but we play football on a Monday night just a bit of a kickabout and you miss it and you miss just being able to have that kickabout yeah. you miss the banter that you get with people you miss the just sort of the camaraderie of it all and as you said especially when it comes to watching football and also playing it as well amateur league football like you do like I love it and as you, as you said it's a bit like golf like golf is just a series of annoying events that you hate and you generally everyone is garbage at golf unless you're professional. But you have that one moment where something special happens, and that's the reason why you keep doing it. And that's what amateur league football is like. It's exactly <laughs> the same. You have a series of really annoying events, and then one good thing happens. And when you look back on your time managing or playing amateur league football, you only remember those moments and think, "Ah, oh, it was amazing." Well, do you know what? I'm really glad that we've got Alexander to. to, to you no, know, we've got these three people on this, you know, part of the moment that really have a passion for football, and I'm sure most of our listeners at the moment are the same so it's great to 
be able to discuss that and discuss something we love. But anyway, let's get back to your story, Alex. So you were um, on BBC Radio Merseyside. How did you go from BBC Radio Merseyside over to TalkSport? Uh, so I moved down to London, um, started freelancing down there for different radio stations, BBC, uh, a few others, and um, gave TalkSport a ring when I, when I moved back and started freelancing there, like reading the news. And then um, about a year later, they um, launched a couple of extra radio stations. Um, so Virgin Radio and Talk Radio, which are all part of one uh, group. Um, and they needed um, a reporter, um, sort of newsreader slash reporter. So I went for that job and, and they, they gave it to me. And I've been there for the last four years. So basically my job is um, to do occasional news reading, um, which is good fun. News or sport um, can be either. Um, and, but most of the time I spend my time reporting, so like being somebody who gets sent out to cover <laughs> this, that and the other. It could be something really serious, like a court case, um, or it could be something really light-hearted um, and sort of like when it, <laughs> when it snows, which is always a massive news story in the UK, I'm the guy that they then send to like the darkest depths of like Devon or somewhere and have to report on the snow <laughs> so it can be as varied as that but um but I know because sport's my passion then it's good fun to do stuff for talk sport and news related stories um relating to sports are are good fun for me to cover and how um how's everything going at the moment so I'd say you have to use different techniques with all what's going on at the moment and stuff like that yeah so it's a massive massive logistical challenge um abiding by social distancing and also producing 24-hour national radio um and um and you know a lot of us are broadcasting from home uh, that's a challenge in itself um technically um and the kit and the equipment um and just getting everything to sync up and then on the occasions that we are in the office we're two meters apart and making sure that all works um and you know and and they're also for talk sport there's, there's no football so um the challenge has been to make fun and great radio even though the sort of bread and butter has been has been removed and and i think the guys are, are doing a really stand-up job at, at making the programs fun even though the, the matches aren't there to be the sort of foundation of the subject matter mm, yeah fair enough well i've got a couple of questions to ask you alex but i've got a, just a, a quick question um, related to what you've mentioned there what do you think that like the Premier League should do with the remaining fixtures, and what would be your kind of like ideal scenario? I know me and Danny, and feel free, Danny, to chip in. We've discussed it before, haven't we? You know about potentially playing games day after day or behind closed doors. What do you think is the ideal, you know, scenario to make sure that we get our hands in that trophy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Cancelling the season is obviously ridiculous. Um, so that's I, I immediately rule that that option out. So it has to, in my head, finish somehow. Um, and I think it's got to the stage where if it has to be behind closed doors, then that's the way it's got to be. Um, but then I think you have to come up with a, a, a way for Liverpool to be able to celebrate winning the Premier League that is different from Jordan Henderson lifting it in front of an empty cop. So um, a bit of imagination there, whether it be like in the centre of the city or whether it be on the first day of next season or, or whatever, um, there has to be a way of, of fans being there when he lifts that trophy. Um, but in terms of the matches, I think, you know, we can't, beggars can't be choosers in this sort of situation. Um, but I think what's interesting is how the conversation is moved to a, like, a global scale because it's all connected. And, you know, something that I thought was a particularly interesting idea was um, waiting till um, December and then starting the next season in January 
um, because the next World Cup is a Winter World Cup in the middle of the season, um, and then syncing up the yeah. league so that um, when the next World Cup comes around in Qatar, the league actually ends just before the World Cup begins, um, and the World Cup is not in the middle of the season. Um, but I don't think I can't, in one sense, see that happening because you then have to you have to lose football somewhere. You then have to lose it after the World Cup because we've lost it before. So you have, if there's a way of making it up somewhere, it kind of has to be done, um, unless the TV companies can do an incredible deal with the Premier League and um, agree somehow contractually to um, not pay them one of the five billion pounds that they agreed to pay them um, because <laughs> the, the the end of the season didn't happen. Um, so uh, do you know what your guess is as good as mine, to be honest, lads? But um, I think the season has to get finished. Um, that's the, the bottom line for me. It's hard to, as you said, it's hard to know. As you said, it it causes problems either way. I think from a obviously a sports radio position like yourself, it, as you said, it creates the same problem. It sounds good being able to do the league so that it syncs up with the World Cup, but then at the same time, as you said, it leaves you with sp- the whole of spring and summer with no Premier League football again, and you potentially have to just cover the championship. Like, and the championship's a good league, but it's not bringing in the money and the uh, the representation that the Premier League brings in for for the likes of sports radio and and even for people like us that want to watch football. So it almost ends up with the same situation as now again, I suppose. Danny, I love the way you 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 make comments and and you always say something funny. <laughs> um, if you want a, a a left field idea that has come out of my brain and nobody else's, who which a colleague at Talk Sport told me was the stupidest idea he's ever heard, but I think is genius. <laughs> Then it is for next season to do one of two things. Firstly, and both involve Scottish football, by the way. This is the, the teaser. Either you do in the Premier League what the Scottish Premier League does, where you play every team plays each other once, and then the standings, the table after 19 games is cut in half, and then the top half play each other again, and the bottom half play each other again. And that is the final table. So you'd get a league next season that would be uh, thirty, no, 28 games long. So that's sort of shortens next season. So that's option number one. Or, then this is, this is the one I really like. Um, I'm ready to get shot down in flames. Is the, the Scottish Premiership and the Premier League combine and every team plays every other team once. And you get Rangers versus Liverpool and Celtic versus Man City only once, and you end up with every team playing thirty games. Right. Okay. Um, um, can I just say no? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be for me. It wouldn't. I think. Nah. I mean, not not for me. What do you think, Danny? I think the first one is an interesting one, and I think I've I've, I've heard and and heard ideas thrown about about teams playing each other once um, to be able to do the season and I think it's an interesting idea I don't think it should be written off um, but I think there's probably other ways that they're going to go about it. The second idea is an interesting one because of the fact that basically you're basically saying the equivalent of if you wasn't saying Scotland you're basically saying the Premier League should play and then introduce basically League 2 football into the Premier League because yes, there is Rangers and Celtic, but there is also Aberdeen and Kilmarnock, and nobody wants to play those games. 
Oh, right. I, th- I think what we'll do. I think what we'll do, guys. Before we we have no listeners left, <laughs> I think we'll move on swiftly. So what we're going to do, Alex, here is before we go, and thank you for coming. Um, thank you for being our guest today. I'm going to ask you a couple of um, quick fire questions. But all first right. of all, I'm going to ask ask you in a, no particular order um, your top five centre backs that currently play in the Premier League. That currently play in the Premier League. Um, uh, all right. So obviously the first two are just first names on the team sheet: Lovren and Matip. Um, <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we, all right. So so Verge and Joe obviously are in there. Right. Um, and then um, Laporte has to be in there. Um, in no particular order. Um, and then the other two. It depends whether you're you're going on current form or sort of overall quality, longevity, that kind of thing. Well, we um, we kind of go I'd... of currently playing in the league, um, but for instance, my top five from five to one. You'd be shocked by his number two. Yeah, you will. It was Toby Alderweireld number five. Number four was Harry Maguire. Number three was Conor Cody. Number two was Johnny Evans, mm. and number one mm. was Van Dijk. But the reason I put Johnny Evans in was because of the longevity. And he's won leagues and stuff. Yeah. So go by. Okay. Yeah. So so my my two after Van Dyke, Gomez, and Laporte. My other two would be Alderweireld, and um, ooh, either Soyuncu at Leicester because uh, I think he's had a very good season alongside Johnny Evans, who himself has been pretty good. You had him, didn't you, Danny? But I'm gonna throw in. I'm gonna throw in Gary Cahill. Fair mm. enough. Good. That's, that's we overlooked him, didn't we, Danny? Mainly because um, he has had a fantastic career, and Prime Cahill would be in my team before Prime Soyuncu, or probably even Prime Alderweireld. But um, I think the way he's um, improved Crystal Palace since he went in, and people thought he was sort of on the on the wane. Um, the way he improved them this season, I, I, I'll, I'll stick Cahill in my top five. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Thank you, Alex. Right, so I've got a couple of last um, quick-fire questions. So how are we going to do this, Alex? Because I'm going to ask you the question and you're going to answer it as quick as you can. All right? <laughs> this could <laughs> be interesting. Yes, all right. So we have a, a writer uh, writing to us, David McElroy, um, and he's asking for your favourite Liverpool player in, in the current squad. Um, Bobby. Bobby Firmino. Bobby. Fair enough. Um, your favourite Liverpool player of all time? Uh, Sammy Hippier. Fair Oh, interesting. Very good one. Um, I'm going my, my lifetime. My lifetime. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Your first Liverpool match um, you watched or you attended? Oh, mate, this is the problem. When you grow up in London and you grow up in the 90s, Liverpool's record in London in the 90s was horrendous. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, and the only Liverpool games I could get to were like away matches where my mates had a ticket and I was in the home section. My first Liverpool game was at Stamford Bridge and we got beat 4-0. Right, let's move on quickly then. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favourite Liverpool match of all time? Do you know what? I'm going to make a horrendous admission. I never even watched the Barcelona semi-final. And the reason was the re- well. Don't make that face at me. Alex. Right, that, that'd be a good thank reason. you for coming in, Alex. Right, guys. The reason was was because um, I was like, we're three 0 down. Why would I watch us go out? And if we somehow come back, then we'll have the final to play, and I'll watch that. Um, so it was. If I'd had a ticket, and if I was going to Anfield, then obviously I would have done. But I was, I yeah. Anyway, 
I shouldn't have made that admit. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> so, favourite Liverpool game of all time. Um, I've, do you know what? I'm going to go for the 2001 FA Cup final, Owen Double, because Great that game. was when... That was the first time in my lifetime, where, as a Liverpool fan, where I thought, oh my goodness, my team are quality. And, um, and they've actually just won a proper, proper trophy... And it was the first time in my lifetime I've seen them win a massive game. And that Arsenal team was insane. And we kind of robbed them, really. Um, and I loved, I loved that. Michael Owen Farnell, he's, he's a bit of a controversial character in, uh, in Liverpool. But at the end of the day, he won us that cup, didn't he? He was unplayable in that game. Yeah. Right, so one last question, Alex. And this will be putting you on the spot. So who is, who's the most famous person or your most favourite person that you've ever interviewed, Alex? Pele. Oh, that was nice. Wow. That was, I was not expecting that. <laughs> that just, just, wow, just, just, hell yeah, there you go, right, that's, yeah, okay, and tell us more, tell us more, we can do a podcast alone on that. Uh, so, this was actually quite early on in my time at TalkSport, basically Pele was doing, he was auctioning off loads of his football memorabilia in London, um, and I'm, I don't, I don't want to speculate on why, but, you know, I think people had, had thought that maybe he'd, he sort of didn't have as much in the bank as maybe a lot of people expected. But anyway, he was, uh, I don't know if that's true, but he was auctioning off loads of football memorabilia. And for some reason, he was doing it in London. And um, they were offering like interviews with him to sort of promote the um, the auction. And um, my boss was like, do you want to go and interview him? I was like, um, yes. Um, uh, so I went along and um, there were loads of other people there doing interviews with him, including like journalists that should not have been there but were clearly only there because there was an opportunity to interview Pele um like journalists the way you're like Jon Snow from Channel 4 was there I'm like this is not ending up on the Channel 4 news <laughs> like an interview with Pele about an auction of football memorabilia is not ending up on your program the only reason you're here is because you get to meet Pele um so I was actually there because we were going to use it um but yeah, so I, I ended up having to, to wait. And the problem when... It was just before Euro 2016, I think. And the problem was, was that every person before me was asking the same questions. And one of them was, what do you think of England's chances at Euro 2016? And the reason why everyone was asking that question was because if he had said, on the off chance, yeah, I think England have got a really good chance to win it, then that would be like a massive newsline, Pele tips England to win Euro 2016. So every... Every journalist was asking that question, and I was think sitting there thinking, okay, how am I going to interview him in a way that nobody else has done so far? Because otherwise, um, it's going to be pointless. So what I did was, um, I got one of the auctioneers before I I sat down with him um, to take out of one of the cases, the glass cases, the ball with which he scored his one thousandth goal, um, and. It was um, it was an old leather one, obviously, and I I gave him the ball, although I wasn't allowed to touch it. So the <laughs> the the guy had to give it to him for me, and I said, "Can you please tell me the story of your one thousandth goal?" Um, and he told me the story, and it was a lovely story. And he told me what he was thinking because it was a penalty, so he had time to think about it. And he was on nine hundred ninety nine, and it was at home um, for his for his club in Brazil. And he told me the story, and um, and nobody else um, got that, and I got it because I had to 
think of a different way of interviewing him. But he was a lovely guy, and I got a photo, which is still on my Facebook. You can probably go. We will definitely be um, definitely be uh, using that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he was that was that was it. Pele um, was number one. Well, do you know what, Alex? I said it was a quick fire round, but just to hear that story in itself was worth listening to. Wow, wow, Alex! Thank you so so much for coming on. Um, Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I've got one last question and the most important question that I've been dying to ask. Do you remember my goal from the halfway line for Christchurch? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually, this is a funny thing. I don't know what, I don't know what you've What's told Danny. I do not know what you've told Danny, but I think we might e- we're either remembering two separate incidents or Ammo has allowed his imagination to, to carry himself a little bit too far. <laughs> Because we know what I remember one. was I, I was <laughs> I was <laughs> I was playing centre back at the time when Ammo started playing for Christchurch, and I'd probably been playing two matches with Ammo without even knowing his name because he was up front and I was centre back, and we and and one of the first games we played. It was, we were playing against a really, really good team and we were getting destroyed and I was being run ragged at the back. And um, then Ammo was like fighting with somebody for the ball on the halfway line and it sort of bobbled around and bounced around and I didn't even know who Ammo was. I didn't even know his name. And suddenly, a guy in my colours took a pot shot from the halfway line on the volley and I was like, no, what are you doing? And it came off the bar. He hit the bar from the halfway line, and I don't remember it going in, mate. That, 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 was, that was another <laughs> one. That definitely, that definitely scored from the halfway line a couple of times. But yeah, um, that would sound like something I would do. Four minutes left. <laughs> but anyway, you know listen. I genuinely, I, I, that now you say it, I'm. It's beginning to come back to me that you did take a shot from an awful long way out, and it went in. So to be fair, <laughs> I think, I think we were remembering. So that actually gives you an idea of. How much Ammo thought he was Zabi Alonso? <laughs> <laughs> That's Danny's favourite player of all time. But listen, guys, anyway, uh, listen, Alex, thank you so, so, so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Your story is, you know, quite interesting. And the fact that you met Pelly is just wow. Really appreciate it, man. So, yeah. Um, Pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. We'll get, we'll get you on again sometime for sure, won't we, Danny? Yeah, definitely. It'd be great to have you back. So, yeah, good luck in London. Um, hopefully, we can. Get on talk sport one day. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, thank you so so much. So yeah, um take care, God bless, um, and thank you to listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Champion Road. Road. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.